Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, church. Good morning to you once again for those of you worshipping in the online space and also in the on-site as well. Today, I will be preaching from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. These two verses records the prayer request of the Apostle Paul shortly after he writing to the Christians in Thessalonica, urging them to stand firm. Last Sunday, we heard from Pastor Edmund Chan in his sermon on standing firm in the storm. And shortly after that, the Apostle Paul writes these two verses of his personal prayer request. So for us to understand his prayer request, we need to understand the context of the situation that he was in at that time. For example, if you want to share your prayer request to your CG members concerning your work, it's good that you share a little bit of the background of your work situation so that they can understand your prayer request. So likewise, we need to find out a little bit of the background of Paul's situation back then in Thessalonica. So we should read Acts chapter 17, but today we are not going to cover Acts chapter 17. But I'm going to just summarize for you, for all of us today. So for Acts chapter 17, um, Paul was preaching in the synagogue on three Sabbaths, and many people came to know the Lord. Many people accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was such a good news. But that also caused many jealous Jews to persecute him and persecute the new converts in Thessalonica. Paul had no choice but to escape together with Silas to Berea. But even in Berea, the persecutors were chasing after him, persecuting him and also the Christians in Thessalonica. So Paul had no choice to further travel to Athens. It was in Athens that Paul was really waiting for uh, Silas and Timothy to bring him reports concerning the new converts in Thessalonica. He was concerned for them because he left them shortly after they accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in Athens, Silas and Timothy caught up with Paul and they brought amazing good reports concerning the faith of the new converts in Thessalonica. So it was in Athens that Paul wrote two letters, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, to the new converts back then. So when he was writing these two verses, 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, when he was writing these two verses that we are covering today concerning his prayer request, we must understand that he was facing a lot of persecution. He was writing to the Christians back then who were also facing a lot of persecution. Their properties were taken away from them. They lost their jobs. Their families rejected them. They were beaten up, they were insulted, and many of them were put to death. So in the context of this background, what would Paul's prayer request be? If you were Paul, would you write your prayer request and hoping and praying that God would zap the evil Jews by lightning and all of them would die? If you were Paul, would you pray and ask God to give you an explanation for all the pain, all the persecution that the new believers were facing after he left? If you were Paul, what would be your prayer request? 
This is Paul's prayer request in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Let me read this to you. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it was also with you, and that we will be rescued from troublesome and evil people, for not all have the faith. Facing challenges and persecution, Paul was not discouraged by them. He was not even distracted by the pain. His heart's desire was on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was praying for the advancement, the progression, the movement of the gospel. And this is his prayer request. And we can see that coming out, even though he was facing such intense challenges back then. He believes that prayer can move the gospel of Jesus Christ ahead. And therefore, we have titled today's sermon as prayer moves. Paul believes that prayers can really move the gospel of Jesus Christ forward. And may this be our belief and our desire as well. Before we read the scriptures, let us pray. Father, we give thanks to you for the word that is so accessible to us today. As we read your word today, fill us with your spirit to understand your word. May we not just be hearers, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Because prayer moves, all the more we must pray continuously. Pray that God's gospel to be glorified in our everyday life. Pray continuously that God's servants to be protected for every endeavor for Christ. So let us move to the first point of today's sermon. Pray continuously that God's gospel to be glorified in our everyday life. Let us read verse 1 again for the first point of today's sermon. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it was also with you. The word finally was not referring to a conclusion of the letter. It was actually referring to a new movement, a new theme, and that is pray. So when the word pray was written in the Greek in presence imperative tense, it actually meant as a command. Paul commands the believers in Thessalonica to pray. It was not an option. It was a command for them, pray continuously. When Paul uses a presence tense in the Greek language, it actually means a continuous nature. So it's not just praying occasionally. It's not just praying a quick prayer. It's praying continuously. So every time when there's a present tense used in the Greek language, we need to sit up because it's a very interesting uh, theology that's embedded in the grammar itself. So it's not just praying occasionally, but praying continuously. So if you look at verse 1, it says the word of the Lord, pray that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified. The word of the Lord in verse 1 actually refers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's ministry was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the word refers to the gospel and we can catch that glimpse from verse 2 when Paul says not everyone has the faith, which means not everyone puts their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul's desire is for the gospel to spread rapidly. But when he uses the word spread rapidly in the Greek language, that word was often translated as running. Running. So some scholars say that when he uses that particular Greek word, he was alluding to Psalm 147 verse 5, where the verse says, 
God sends his command to the earth, his word runs very swiftly. So some scholars say when he writes that particular Greek word, he was actually alluding to Psalm 147, verse 15. But some other scholars say no. When he uses that particular Greek word that is often translated to running, he was actually using a word that was so contextualized to the Greek culture, to the Greco-Roman culture, where that metaphor of running was very common in those days. That's why we can see that in Paul's other verses, when he says in one of the verses, run the race to win the prize. So in those days, the metaphor of running was very common in Paul's era, in the Greco-Roman culture. So whether he was alluding to 147 verse 15, or whether he was actually using a word to contextualize, a contextualized word to connect to the audience back then, there's something that we must not miss. The point is this, facing challenges, facing intense persecution, Paul did not pray for punishment for his enemies. He was not even praying for justice for his pain. His heart was on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he prays that the gospel to speed ahead, to run ahead, to move forward, and to spread rapidly. That is the main point of this passage, this verse, that we must not miss. Facing challenges, Paul's focus was on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I have a question for you and I, facing challenges in life. What do you pray for daily? We may not face the persecutions like what Paul and the Christians faced in Thessalonica, but all of us, all of us in fact, face challenges in our lives, regardless of the age that we are in. Some of you are facing intense, intense work situation. Some of you are facing injustice or unfair treatments from people, or judgment from people who just refuse to forgive you for the mistakes or the missteps that you've taken. Some of you have difficult health situation, you have uncertain future, or you have rebellion children who just refuse to submit to your authority. Facing challenges on a daily basis, what do you and I pray for every day? This is a beautiful country, Sri Lanka, a picture of this beautiful country, of a market scene, of smiling faces that we can see. But we know this picture is not quite the same. This scene is not quite the same today because we know that in the recent August 2022 report, it says that um, Sri Lanka's inflation has gone up to 70%. The food prices has gone up to 85%. Money is just not enough to buy anything in the market in this beautiful country. A lot of the prices in Singapore has gone up and most of us can feel it in our pocket, isn't it? It has only gone up by a few percentage, but this country has gone up by 85%. What used to cost so little is now 85% more in this amazing country. So our mission director, Elder Johnny, um, asked our mission partners in Sri Lanka, how can we pray for you? And many of them ask for one prayer request. They say, pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ to move in my country. This season, I'm also supporting a church worker in Sri Lanka. I asked her the same question as well. How can I pray for you? And she said, pray for the gospel of Jesus Christ to move in my country. You know, quietly, I... I was just thinking, maybe they could have prayed for maybe rich churches or rich Christians in Singapore to just bless them with money, to help them here and there. 
but their focus was just on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't help but to ask, why are their prayers so different from mine? Why are their prayers so different from mine? Their prayers are so similar to Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Facing challenges, Paul did not ask for anything. He asked for the gospel of Jesus Christ to move ahead. You know, when we look at this beautiful country, Sri Lanka, when we look at our physical eyes, maybe some of us might conclude, God might have left them. But if we look with spiritual eyes on this country, we realize that there's so much spiritual awakening in this country that we must not miss. Their prayers tell us that there's greater gospel urgency, there's deeper dependency on Christ, there's higher spiritual awakening that you and I don't have in comfortable Singapore. And I can't help to ask why is it that their prayers are so different from mine and I can't find an answer except to ask God for forgiveness. Say, God, forgive me that I just don't have the gospel urgency I just don't pray as much as I should. And I just don't have enough spiritual awakening and hunger for you. And God, forgive me. So this morning, I want to encourage all of us, including myself, let us pray continuously for God's gospel to be glorified in our everyday life. Facing challenges, Paul was not discouraged by persecution nor distracted by pain. He desires God's gospel to move ahead, to spread rapidly, and that must be our desire to glorify the gospel. May the gospel be glorified in our everyday life. So you may be thinking, how does that work for God's gospel to be glorified? Does it mean we open up the Bible, read the Bible on the sofa, sitting on the sofa day and night? Does it mean that? How do we allow the gospel to be glorified in our everyday life? Allow me to just share this with you that I've learned recently. Let us pray that the gospel to be lived out in the relationships at home, in the interactions with people. May the gospel be lived out even in fractured relationships. May we intercede faithfully for our friends to embrace the gospel through divine appointment. When you keep praying this in your life, the gospel will be glorified in your everyday life. Allow me to unpack this bit by bit for you. Let us pray continuously for God's gospel to be glorified through the relationships at home. It's most difficult to live out the gospel in the relationships at home because we have so much conflicts with one another. But yet the gospel is not meant to be received and prayed at the point of saying the sinner's prayer. The gospel must permeate through every areas of our life, starting from the relationships at home. So for parents who have children at home, when you have a conflict and tension with your children, do you merely vent your anger at them, scold them, or do you pray in your room quietly for the gospel to grip their hearts? When you, when you want your children to say sorry to you, do you do one more step, and that is to lead your children to ask Jesus for forgiveness, that the gospel might convict their hearts of the mistakes, the sins in their life. When you pray for your children, do you just pray for their compliance of their behavior? Or do you pray that their lives will be captivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel is not just to be received at the point of saying the sinner's prayer. It must be lifted up, honored, glorified in every 
relationships, starting from home, in the way we interact, in the way we have tensions, even with our children. When your spouse apologizes to you for something he or she has done, and you say you, you forgive the person, do you bring back the old records? Forgetting that actually your spouse has been forgiven by you and cleansed by the blood of Christ, as stated in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So these are some questions that we want to reflect. If you want God's gospel to be glorified in your life, we must pray continuously that it will be lived out in our relationships at home. We cannot do this by ourselves. You have to pray continuously. That's why Paul wrote this in the Greek presence tense. It's not praying occasionally, but praying continuously. For the gospel to be glorified in your everyday life, we pray that the gospel to be lived out even in our interactions and conversations with people. When you have conversations with your classmates, your schoolmates, your colleagues in office, do you show a sense of um, hopelessness in the situation they are in? Do they hear God's saving grace through your conversations? Um, when you interact with your people around you and when you have a toxic friend or a nasty colleague, do you badmouth them? Or do you, in your conversation, um, glorify God by not gossiping the people in your sphere of influence? Do people hear your God's saving grace in your life? Do people hear God's faith, hope, joy that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ through your conversations with them? So we pray that even when we converse with people, the gospel is lived out, honoured, glorified, even in the interactions we have with the people around us. That's how the gospel can be glorified in our everyday life. For the gospel to be glorified in our everyday life, we pray continuously that it will be lived out even in fractured relationships. So allow me to speak to some of the young people here in the sanctuary or even in the online space. You know, in the process of growing up, uh, we have power struggle with our parents and over time, the relationship is fractured and you're not quite sure how to man it back. You know it's fractured, but you're not sure how to take the step to live out the gospel even through your fractured relationship. Or some of us here, we have fractured friendships, friends that we are upset with, friends that we just can't talk to anymore, or even brothers and sisters in Christ, in church, that we just don't want to meet anymore, or when you see the person entering from one side of the gate, uh, you may just avoid the person. So how can the gospel be glorified and lifted up, honoured, even in our fractured friendship? It's difficult. It can only be done by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It can only be done by praying for God to help us. So I want to encourage you to take a picture of this prayer. Some of you may have fractured relationship, and this may be a prayer that you can start to pray continuously and daily, so that God's gospel can be glorified even in your fractured relationship. This prayer sounds like this. Jesus, my heart is heavy over my fractured relationship with so-and-so. I ask you to forgive me for how I have been too harsh, judgmental, unforgiving, angry, critical, sarcastic, insensitive, impatient, unloving, unkind, and or prideful towards so-and-so. Thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, I surrender this relationship to you and may you transform my attitudes and behavior such that they reflect the gospel and your finished work on the cross. You went great lengths to reconcile me, a sinner, back to my Heavenly Father. 
Please empower me by your spirit of love and grace to go the extra mile to be reconciled with so-and-so. Amen. You know, the gospel is not meant to be just prayed at the moment we receive Christ. It is meant to be lived out, honoured, even in our fractured relationship. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer continuously and see how God allows you and leads you to mend the relationship. You know, when you mend the relationship with a friend, it doesn't mean that you'll be best friend with the person. But it should help you, to, when you see that friend, to be able to just say, Hi. It should help you not to avoid that friend anymore. So pray continuously so that God will lead you and teach you to take baby steps to mend the relationship either with your parents or your family member. For God's gospel to be glorified in our everyday lives, it's not meant to be received, prayed at the point of sinner's prayer and retained in our lives. It's meant to flow out from our lives. And for that to happen, for God's gospel to be glorified in our lives, we must not forget to pray faithfully, intercede faithfully for the friends in our sphere of influence. Remember, Paul writes it as the Greek present tense, and that is to pray continuously. And I want to encourage you, no matter how busy you are, how challenging life is, don't forget to pray for your friends, that the gospel may flow from your life to their hearts. I want to encourage you to have at least five to ten friends that you're committed to pray continuously on a daily basis. You know, sometimes you wonder, oh, you're such a busy Singapore culture. How can I remember to even pray daily for my friends? So something that I do, I want to share with you, is that I have a list of friends that I pray for every day. I pray for them each time when I brush my teeth in the morning or in the evening. So I weave it into my routine such that whenever I brush my teeth, I remember to pray for them. So if you want to pray for somebody continuously, you need to weave it into a regular routine of your life. Another example, my mother-in-law did this for years. Each time when she said grace for the meal, she would just sit there and start to pray for her friends, her non-Christian relatives. So I met her when I was 20 years old. I remember 20 years old sitting there at the table and the food was just uh, before me and then she was she would just go on and on and on praying for her non-Christian friends or even relatives. Then I was like, oh, I'm so hungry. But after doing that for many years and observing her doing that for many years, we finally caught it. And we finally understood that she weaves it into the routine such that she remembers to pray for the relatives or the friends. And today as a family, my husband or even my two boys, we remember friends whenever we give thanks for the food that's placed before us. So to pray continuously, I want to encourage you to weave it into a routine such that you remember to pray for them faithfully. For the gospel to be glorified in your life, um, when you pray that the gospel to be lived out in your relationships, your conversations, your fractured relationships, even in your intercession, you must anticipate divine appointment. Because when you say this prayer every day, God, help me for the gospel to be glorified in my everyday life, God will answer your prayer. And you must anticipate divine appointment. When the divine appointment arrives, you must seize it, grab it, and add upon it. I want to share with you what happened one month ago. Someone called me uh, out of the blue, and the person was speaking in Mandarin. And she said, Sharon, you 还记得我吗? I'm like, 
who is this person who is speaking to me in Mandarin? I don't really know the number on my phone, but the voice was very familiar. And we spent like one, two minutes trying to find out who this person is. And then I realized she was someone who served me in a hair salon shop and she went back to China six years ago. So before she went back to China, I asked her if I could take her out for dinner and thank her for her service, that she has always been blessing me with wonderful service. So she came for the dinner, I gave her uh, a nice treat and I thanked her. And then she went back to China six years ago. And after she gone back, we, we, we do keep in touch with um, uh, WhatsApp and whatever. And I did pray for her for maybe two years. And after a while, I really forgot about her. Honestly, I forgot about her. But you know what? God doesn't forget. He doesn't forget the prayers that we offer and intercede for people. Why do I say that? Because in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, it says this. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So God didn't forget the press. So let me continue the story. After verifying, I realized, oh, she's that lady. And then, then, then I felt God asking me to date her out and just to catch up, you know. But you know, October was really a crazy, busy month for me. So I was like, oh, but I'm very busy. Where do I squeeze in time to meet her? But I was convicted by the Spirit. And then I asked her if she was free at this particular day and time. And she said, yeah, yes, yes, I will come and meet you. So we met up in a cafe, we catch up and she was just telling me what happened in China during the COVID season and how life was so difficult. And then I felt led to share the gospel. So I shared the gospel with her and asked her, do you want to accept Jesus? And she said, yes. I'm like, okay, can I share the gospel again? So I shared it the second time, thinking that it wasn't so clear the first time. And she said, yes, I want to receive, I want to believe in Jesus. So she prayed to receive Christ that day in the cafe and, and all glory to God. Yeah, all glory to God. So why do I share this story? I just really want to encourage all of us that God doesn't forget our prayers. Um, people don't forget the love we show to them, you know. Sometimes we think it's just a meal, no big deal, but people don't, don't, they don't forget the love that you show in the name of Jesus. And God doesn't forget the prayers that we pray for our friends. So when you keep praying for God's gospel to be glorified in your everyday life, divine appointment will arrive. And that's when you and I must seize it, act upon it, and do something about it. So year end, there will be divine appointments coming up. I want to encourage you to take out your phone and snap a picture of this QR code. Because in December, we're going to have a lot of opportunities for us to invite our friends to hear the gospel, that the gospel of Jesus Christ might spread rapidly and speed ahead in a season such as this. So if you look at, um, there's so many activities, I don't see them as outreach events, you know. I see them as divine appointments for us to invite our friends to, to get to know Jesus. On Christmas Day itself, it's a Christmas service, it's an evangelistic Christmas service with a musical. A team of people are rehearsing the musicals in all three centres. A lot of effort has gone in to want to put up a musical. It's not just one centre, but three centres on 25th December. I really want to encourage you to prayerfully invite a friend 
and just say, hey, are you free? Let's celebrate Christmas together by watching a musical together. If you do not have a friend that you can invite, consider serving in a new life, blessed to bless um, divine appointment, where you can bring needy family to do shopping in a grocery and to spend time with them and to show God's love to them in this Christmas season. So I want to encourage you to pray continuously for the gospel to be glorified in our everyday life. You cannot do it by your own self. You have to pray continuously when the gospel is lived out in your relationships at home, interactions with people, friendship relationships, interceding faithfully for them to embrace the gospel through the divine appointment. God's gospel will be glorified in your everyday life when you keep doing this, when you do this not in your own strength, but when you keep praying, God, help me in every conversation, tensions at home, frictions with my children, um, keep praying that the gospel will permeate through all these relationships. And when you keep praying, God, I do not want the gospel to just stay in my life. I want the gospel to flow out to my friends. And when you keep interceding with your friend, divine appointment will come. And when you keep moving this, God's gospel will be glorified in your everyday life. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the Word of God tells us pray continuously, not just occasionally, continuously for God's gospel to be glorified in our everyday life. Facing challenges, Paul did not focus on the persecution nor distracted by the pain. His focus was on the gospel. And today, likewise, let us do that by the strength of God and let us continue to pray for God's servants to be protected in our every endeavor for Christ. Let us move on to the second point of today's sermon in verse 2. Let me read this again. Pray that we will be rescued and from troublesome and evil people for not all have the faith. You know, Paul did not just want them to pray continuously for the gospel to be glorified. Paul urges them, pray continuously that God's servants will be protected. So when he uses the Greek word, pray that we will be rescued, that Greek word was written in the passive voice. So whenever the author uses a passive voice in their Greek language, it is to illustrate a point that they will be rescued by God himself. So some scholars call this the passive divine voice. So looking at just the English word, looking at just the English word, we just say, oh, okay, pray that we will be rescued. But embedded in that, that Greek word is to pray that they will be definitely rescued by God himself. So there is that certainty, there is that assurance that when the gospel is speeding ahead, God's servant will be protected by God himself from evil people. You know, my brothers and sisters in Christ, when you desire for God's gospel to, to be glorified in your everyday life, as what I shared in that slide, you must anticipate opposition. We must not be ignorant in this area. We must lift up a prayer shield and pray that we will be protected in our every endeavor for Christ. We have to pray continuously that we be protected from the schemes of the evil one, from the strategies of the evil one. So what do we pray for? We pray that it will be protected from four strategies of Satan. The four strategies are this. Destruction, division, discouragement, and deception. Satan loves to destroy new harvests of believers. He loves to divide the body of Christ, especially through disagreement. Satan loves to discourage us through the challenges and pain that we face in life. 
Satan deceives us constantly, telling us that God will leave us, God will not be with us, God will not strengthen us, God will not provide for us. That's what he deceives us every day. And when you pray for God's servants to be protected, pray against these four schemes of the evil one. So today, verse 2 reminds us to pray continuously, pray for God's servants to be protected in every endeavour for Christ. Starting from your church leaders, if you were here listening to Pastor Edmund Chan's sermon last Sunday, pray for Pastor Edmund Chan and Pastor Anne and their family. Pray for them. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors, your Zoom mentors, your CG leaders. You know, sometimes we are quick to complain about our leaders that they are not wise in decision, they are not courageous enough in adventures, or maybe they are not loving in words. Maybe we complain too easily that they are not humble in their posture or they are not pure in their temptation. But we don't pray enough for our church leaders and their family members. Today, I want to encourage you, pray continuously for God's servants to be protected by the evil one, from destruction, from division, from discouragement, from deception um, in our everyday life. Pray for God's servants, your leaders. Pray for God's servants who are yourself. You are considered God's servant. When you desire for God's gospel to be glorified in your life, pray that you will be protected. Because when you want to glorify God, Satan is not going to let you go. He will come and oppose you. Especially when you have disagreement, either with your leaders or disagreement in the body of Christ. How does Satan attack us? He loves to capitalize on disagreement. Because when there's disagreement, it will often lead to division, discouragement. So how can you pray for yourself? Pray for yourself, especially when you have disagreement, either with your leaders or within the body of Christ, in your CG members. So some of you might be wondering, Pastor Sharon, can I have disagreement with someone in church or my leaders without allowing Satan to capitalize on that disagreement and lead to division and discouragement? My answer to you is, uh, yes, we can have disagreement in a loving way. So how does it look like? How do you disagree lovingly? For example, how do you disagree lovingly with your husband or your wife? How does it look like? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4-7 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When your disagreement with someone in church or with your leader or in the family members is carried out in a loving way, in a loving way, you can prevent yourself being attacked by the evil one. For example, if you present your disagreement using kind words, you can prevent it from slipping into division. If you come and disagree with somebody, perhaps your leader, and you come not with a boastful attitude. You know, sometimes when we disagree with somebody, we can convey the message that I think I'm better than you. And that's how when we put across a disagreement, we just feel that I think he's trying to tell me that he's better than me. So we ask God, God, please help me to disagree, not in a boastful way, but in a loving way with kind words. Another way is when disagreement is presented, we, we pray and ask God, help me not to insist my way. Help me when I share a disagreement, I give a chance to listen 
to the other person. Help me not to insist my way by not judging the person without giving the person to have a chance to clarify um, that, that I will not insist my way. So when a disagreement is conducted in such a manner, in a loving way, it will prevent Satan from capitalizing on this and lead to greater division and discouragement. So when you present your disagreement in a loving way, at the end of the day, you should not be feeling resentment. Lah, because love is not resentful. If you share your disagreement at the end of the day, you're really still upset with this person and you really don't want to see this person again, then maybe you might be attacked by the evil one without yourself even knowing it. And this evil one is trying to divide you and trying to discourage you. So if this is you in this season, I want to encourage you to share with someone that, you know, I really need prayer. Text a friend and say, I feel really divided in this area because of this disagreement. Can you intercede for me? Can you intercede for me? You know, when we desire to glorify God, uh, there will be opposition. That's when we must pray continuously as a body of Christ, to pray for God's servants to be protected for every endeavor for Christ. This cannot be done by our own effort. It can only be done by the empowerment of His Holy Spirit. Today, from verses 1 to 2, God reminds us, facing challenges, we must not be distracted, uh, distracted by pain or discouraged by challenges in life. We must follow the first step as Apostle Paul. He was focusing on the gospel of Jesus Christ and reminding God's people to pray like never before. Today, likewise, let us pray continuously for God's gospel to be glorified in our everyday life as shown in the steps that I've shared with you. And let us pray for God's servants to be protected in every endeavor for Christ. You know, when you keep praying these two points, keep praying, starting to pray today, what does it look like? It looks like this. There's greater gospel urgency. There will be deeper dependency on Christ in your life. There will be higher spiritual awakening. When there's gospel urgency, you will desire God's gospel to be glorified in your life. When there's a deeper dependency on Christ, you will pray like never before. When there's spiritual awakening, you will realize that the person sitting next to you, the person that you don't like, is actually not your enemy. Your family member is not your enemy. When your eyes are opened, you will know what is really important. God's word, God himself, and souls of men. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. We ask for your spirit to move. Your presence is here with us and we ask that you will not miss us. You will not bypass any one of my brothers and sisters here in this hall. That you come and touch them. That you grant spiritual awakening. Just as how our brothers and sisters in Christ in Sri Lanka pray for God's gospel to move in their country. Father, we desire that kind of spiritual awakening in our lives, in our family, in our land, and into the nations. May you start with us, Father. Fan that flame in our lives. We desire so much more. May you lead us to repentance. May you help us. And if this is your desire, can I invite you to rise and sing this response song as a prayer to God. As a prayer to God. Come, let us worship God. We need your grace and mercy. We need to pray. 
glorified in your life. Father, you see the hands raised up to you this morning, including mine, up in the gallery as well. Father, we are not satisfied with where we are. We know we have a calling and mission here on earth. But yet, you can see the burdens on our lives, the challenges that we are facing. We are discouraged. We are often distracted. And today we ask in the name of Jesus that you will touch everyone in this hall, even in the online space, that you will not let them go, that you will fan it up in the name of Jesus, that you will stir their spirit. The same way that you are reviving Sri Lanka, we ask that you revive us, that we will not just be comfortable and safe in Singapore, that we will have a passion for Jesus, your word and souls of men. May you touch us, may you restore this dying land so that the generations will look back and see that this batch of generation of Christians here, we are different. We pray. We pray like never before And we ask that you touch us And never let us go And when we leave this hall We will not forget What we have transacted with you We are prone to wonder We are prone to forget And we ask for your spirit To remind us What we have transacted with you Today Lord Father Today we also want to pray For our brothers and sisters In Sri Lanka Bless that country Bless them Fan the flame That may you purify them So deeply So deeply And may their faith be an encouragement to many of the people out there. May you restore us, our family, our land, and in the nations and Sri Lanka as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us praise God with the chorus once again.
spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.